You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Episode 173 of Locked On Browns. Uh, like I told you, uh, until we get to the officials, we do have some things we can discuss here this evening. Offensive linemen, running backs have weighed in. Uh, if anybody's not familiar, it's kind of a you know, a, you know, 72 hour but a little bit more process. The guys get into town. You know, there's interviews. Uh, they have their days of medicals and their measurements. Uh, then you get to obviously the bench and that type of stuff. Then your third day, it's your workouts. Once your workouts are done, it's pretty much grab your crap and get the heck out because we got somebody else who needs that hotel room. That's kind of the way it works out. So it's a, basically a three-day process for any prospective, you know, draftee in their time in Indy. Uh, what we're going to do here tonight is um, Ryan McChrystal, obviously been on with us before from Bleacher Report. Um, he has some different thoughts than some uh, some of the other guys we've had on the last couple of days about the combine itself. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some guys that uh, you know he's looking at this week. You know, he wants to see some numbers on, you know, whether or not it's to confirm or, you know, and like we told you guys before, sometimes something comes up with these numbers that's going to make you go back to the tape and is it something I missed and things of that nature. We'll do that. Um, obviously, we'll break down a little bit. The offensive linemen are now weighed in and measured. The running back class, the same thing. So uh, without further ado, Mr. Ryan McChrystal. Ryan, how's everything going? Uh, with Combine being here, it, it starts to get a little more official and a little bit closer, two months away. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me back on, Jeff. Um, yeah, this is the time of year where it starts to get exciting. We start to get more concrete rumors as teams get together and talk, and we start to get some actual numbers on some guys. It's a fun time of year. Uh, it is interesting, and actually, before I want to get before I want to get to you on your combine thoughts, uh, I've been kind of asking everybody a little bit this week. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, look, I'm a fan. I, I love the kid's game, but I, the fact that he's trying to go this route with just his mom representing him. For a quarterback, I mean, look, if you're a day, you know, if you're a day three kid who played at a D two school, I can kind of understand it maybe, but a, a quarterback who some people feel, you know, first round is, is certainly not off the table. This is a this is a rough way to try and go through this. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's certainly surprising. It, I wouldn't say that it's the wrong decision for everybody, and like maybe it's the right decision for him. I don't know enough about his mom and his family. I, maybe this is a good decision for him, but I think it's safe to say that in general, you want to have someone to walk you through this process because it's not something that you've had, you've never done this before and you're never going to do it again. Um, it's such a unique process going through, setting up all the interviews, go, preparing for the combine and the workouts. I, I know if I were going through it, I would want somebody there to walk me through it who's walked through it with other people before. Yeah, well, I mean, the other thing, it's not like he's a third-generation Manning where he's going to learn more at home than he's going to learn, you know, he can get the equal amount of learning ship. And that's the one thing I do worry about. If everything goes well for him this week, none of it's going to matter. But the problem is, is if there's a couple of hiccups, whether it's interviews or on the field, you know, his mom, I'm sure she's a sweet lady and all, but she got the power to handle, you know, damage control. Is she going to be able to... You know, have the requisite excuses on hand that you would say a Lee Steinberg or a Drew Rosenhaus or a David Malagetta or a Derek Gilmore, those type of guys can quickly, you know, try to put that fire out. And that's a big issue. Yeah, definitely. And also, even if she does say the right things, there's also just not the trust factor. You know, the NFL GMs have all dealt with all those other agents that you've mentioned year in, year out. And there's a certain amount of trust factor with them when they say, you know, we're going to iron things out. Like, 
you know, that didn't go well, but, you know, we're prepared to change it around. I, they, I think they probably, having dealt with a lot of those agents every single year, they probably know when they're telling the truth and when they're BSing them. I would imagine you'd figure that out <laughs> over the years. Uh, but when you have someone brand new, like someone's mom, um, there's just not that trust factor there. So no matter what she says, I'm not sure it would carry any weight for the GMs. Yeah, and that's also part of the thing. And, and the other thing is, is you know, like some of these, you know, front offices. I mean, you know, these guys are dinosaurs. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I mean, they are they are not used to, you know, decision making and, and, and talking with a prospect and sitting down with a woman in the room. You know, so I mean, it's a different you know thing. I mean, you know, there were a lot of fantastic women involved in this, but the fact that it's his mom and it, the other thing is, you know. Do you you know you you know I know I'd feel bad. Well, look, Mrs. Jackson, here we love your son, but here's some of the issues we have with him. It's a little different when you're saying it to an agent and people paid to represent him, as opposed to I feel bad. I'm about to tell you know I'm talking to this guy's mom and about to say, look, X, Y, and Z are some things that concern us about his game. Yeah, definitely, it definitely creates an awkward situation there, um, and it just it increases the potential for something to go wrong. I think. Yeah, so, uh, look, I mean, I just hope everything goes well for him. I, I do kind of applaud the fact that they're trying to go their own route. Uh, um, I just, at the quarterback position, which the, the way this works in all these meetings, the quarterback position definitely gives me some pause and hesitation for the route they're trying to go here. Uh, Ryan, you put out today about, the you know, your combine thoughts in general, um, that maybe, you know, it, it, it kind of moves the needle, but what you, you know, and this is kind of one of the biggest things with the combine is, what we all really, one of the biggest things we want to know, we're not really privy to the information, we're only privy to it if it's negative and somebody wants to put it out there as far as meetings, blackboard, uh, you know, obviously, you know, you know, the taking of the Wonderlick, things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, first of all, to start off the bat, by no means am I saying that the combine is irrelevant. It's extremely important to get all these prospects together in the same place where all the GMs and coaches can gather and they can go through the medical testing and they can go through the interview process. And there's even some value in the you know measurements and some of the workouts. You know, For certain players, that matters still. Um, but I think the value of it overall has really degraded a lot over the years um, for a number of reasons. Number one is we have so much more access to tape on these players. I mean, even small school guys, you know, the NFL, they can get tape on every game that they've ever played, and it's better tape than it used to be. Um, so it's just, it's easy to see these guys ahead of time, and you have a lot of um, opinions formed going into the combine. Um, so basically, like, so the, the thing that you referenced of what I was saying on Twitter earlier about why I don't really value a lot of the workouts um, is because essentially what we're doing is we're, we're sort of, you know, working as our human computers here as we evaluate prospects. We're gathering a lot of data, and we're weighting that data based on how important we think it is, and then we're churning out a prediction for what we think that NFL, that future NFL player's career will look like. Um, and so we want, you know, the data we gather is on film, and we, we pay attention to how fast they are, how strong they are, you know, do they miss tackles, do they break tackles, do they have good hands, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's all just a bunch of variables that we're analyzing and based on our experience, we have opinions on how to weight the different things for the different positions. And we, because we have so much access to that information ahead of time, we're coming into the combine now with pretty concrete opinions on what these players are. Like with Saquon Barkley, I know he's big and I know he's fast and he has a really impressive blend of size and speed for that position. Um, and so if, when he goes out and he, run, if he runs a four, 
441 or a 453 or something like that doesn't matter because I've already seen it. Um, so I think what we're doing is it's basically like we're taking the same information and adding it into the equation even though it's already there. And if you do that in like a statistical model, not to get too analytical here, but if you were running like a regression analysis and you threw something into the equation that was already in the equation, it's going to throw off your outcome. So like take Dante Jackson as an example. We're all expecting him to run fast and possibly you know challenge the record at the combine. So if he goes out and he does break the record for the fastest 40 at the combine, that's going to generate a lot of buzz. And we're going to hear a lot about how he won the combine and he's one of the winners and his stock's on the rise. Uh, you know those articles yep. are going to be out there. But the reality is we're expecting him to do it. So we already know he's that fast. So if he does it, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't change. His stock isn't rising. He's not. He didn't win the combine. He just broke a record. Even if he comes close to the record, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. We know he's that fast because... You know, we've got so much access to video that we've just we've seen these guys before, and we know what they're going to do this week. Well, um, and I'm going to count you on a couple of things, and I'll start with Dante Jackson. Um, the first thing there is, it's not going to change the fact that he's, you know, a little bit shorter as a cornerback. Um, it looks like his arms are a little bit smaller. It still looks like he's a slot guy. It's not going to change the fact that, you know, he was maybe around a top 100 guy, uh, I don't think anybody views him as a number one starting cornerback one day. So the guy that was supposed to run sub 4-3 with the LSU track background ran sub 4-3 with his LSU track background. So it should That should not change anything. I completely agree with you. The one thing I did like that you brought up was the small school thing. And now here was, in, and it seems kind of odd now because Dylan Donahue just drafted him last year, just had a you know terrible DWI accident in New York. Just terrible to hear. But when the Jets did draft him, there wasn't much on him. Uh, you know, I threw up a YOLO ball. I threw out a couple emails to West Georgia football. And within 15 minutes, I had three game tapes from him. These small schools, they want, I mean, they want to push their product. They love for a guy to get drafted. They want people to be, you know, you know, asking and looking for their, so, you know, the small school aspect of it, you know, that does exist. And now here's West Georgia, obviously, with a left tackle this year, uh, who was supposed to gain some weight because he was sick at the senior bowl. And well, we'll get to that in a little bit, but he didn't gain much weight, so obviously his weight's his weight. Um, and then as far as who a guy is and if something changes, uh, Jeremy Langford a couple of years ago went to the Combine, put up a really good 40 time, put up some good workout numbers. So, you know, some people, some things changed. And he had a nice little stick with the Bears for a bit, but uh, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I don't have a GPS on him. I have no idea where Jeremy Langford is. So, you know, that's a thing where sometimes a guy's name rises. You know, because of something he did in Indy, and then you know, at the end of the day, you know, who you are is who you are, kind of just showed up, and, and that's how you kind of fizzled out of it. So it's kind of interesting from that standpoint. Uh, we are starting to get some measurement numbers here. Uh, the offensive line, and like we we mentioned a little bit before we started here, Ryan, the uh, the offensive line group, I, I love it if you're going left guard, center, right guard. But it just seems, and even today, first off, it was lacking offensive tackles to begin with, and with measurements today, it seems like it's just it, it's just getting even weaker as far as the offensive tackle group. Yeah, I completely agree. There's definitely some question raised by the measurements. I think the one that, it, it wasn't a huge surprise, but it is interesting to see the numbers that Connor Williams came in with slightly shorter arms. And he was a guy that there's been some rumors that some teams may view him as a guard instead of a tackle, despite the fact that you know through much of the season he was being 
uh, you know, coming in the top ten in a lot of mock drafts. And you know, I I was a little skeptical about that at the time, but thought that he was still a first round pick. And you know, now if you know if that measurement causes some team, if that doesn't meet the threshold for certain teams. Yeah, maybe he does. You know, if he gets moved to guard on a lot of boards, maybe he does fall to the second round. Um, and another one that I was kind of surprised by, um, and I'd like to hear an explanation from him on it. I don't know if he's had a chance to talk on it yet. Was Jamarco Jones from Ohio State uh, coming in at six four and just under three hundred pounds? It, you know, his weight could certainly fluctuate. He could easily get back up to three ten where he was listed at Ohio State by the time the season starts, but. You know, you don't see a lot of sub three hundred pound linemen anymore, especially you know at any position. <laughs> at yeah, any position, yeah, absolutely, and especially that you know he doesn't have great height to begin with, only at six foot four. Um, I really like him as a player. I, I thought you know he was he's a little bit underrated at this point in time, but you know that measurement definitely. I would say at a minimum, if I were a GM, that would be a topic of conversation that I would have with him when I get to sit down with him and ask him, why, you know, why are you under 300 pounds at the combine? You know, this is kind of a big deal. Why aren't you fully prepared to put your best weight out there? Um, you know, and, and it's, you know, normally, I mean, you'll see in it, it, it's not as significant with other positional groups. You know, some guys try to get themselves a little quicker. And look, if you're 250, maybe 245, but to see an offensive lineman, you know, go down and look at a lot of times it's, it's never about the forty. It's you know you know about the mirror drills and how quick your feet move. You know so maybe Jones is going from it from that aspect. But I mean you know you see the wingspan at eighty five plus, the arms at thirty five plus. All those measurements are checked. The two ninety nine is definitely just a it, it is odd. Um, you know I'm sure there's always the plan B if he doesn't test well this week. You know we'll hear the rumors of maybe there was a virus, of something of that nature because we always get one something like that. Um, then there were a couple of, you know, uh, obviously just absolutely mind-boggling ones. I mean, and, and not that it's you know, mind-boggling, but it's just the fact that, you know, how big these guys are. Orlando Brown, Colton Miller out of UCLA, these guys are just good God. I mean, either way, it's going to be good for them because if it doesn't work out in the NFL, I mean, the WWE is calling. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They're huge. I mean, Mike McGlinchey, too, coming in yep. almost six foot eight. Um yeah, I mean, they're huge. But that goes back to what I was saying before. We know they're huge. So hopefully all the GMs are looking at that and being just, you know, just putting a checkmark next to it. All right, he's as big as we thought we were, we thought he was, and now we move on. Because we knew those guys were big. Hopefully teams don't count it twice because they obviously, you know, they've got the size, they've got the, the length, you know, they're well-proportioned for how big they are. Uh, hopefully teams just check that box and move on to evaluate, you know, their on-field performance. Absolutely. Now, here was an interesting one. Uh, Louisville, Jerron uh, Christian. Uh, the weight was low. Uh, you know, here's another guy now. He's over 6 feet 5. Another guy under 300 pounds. Uh, hands, you know, almost 11. Arms, 35. You know, wingspan at 82. Here's a guy that's not many people are talking about. But the problem is, I mean, I'm sorry, not the problem is, but this is good for him because as... This offensive tackle class gets leaner when we have to push some of these guys inside. There's some guys who are just going to get drafted for the sake of the fact that people, they need their tackles to be A, B, and C. And there's guys who fit their criteria of A, B, and C, even though their tape might not warrant, you know, the higher draft grade. But, you know, tackles are important. They're very important. So, you know, I think it's going to kind of help the guys that are going to remain at offensive tackle. 
Yeah, definitely. And this is one of the areas where I do think the combine is important because it, it's it's not useless to have these numbers at your disposal because you can you know you can do all sorts of tests looking back and come up with certain thresholds where you know historically we can say you know if you meet these certain checkpoints you have a you know X percentage chance of you know sticking in the league for a long time. So the guys that you know may not with their on-field play meet those you know you, you might not look at him and think that he's going to be a top 100 pick or something like that, but when you get to day three and you've got a guy on the board who, even if his performance wasn't great, he checks all those boxes that tell you he has the potential to be a long-term player in the league, uh, that's where the numbers can be really helpful because you can look at that guy and say, well, maybe around my coaching staff, if I get some time to work with him, I can take that raw player who checks all these boxes and actually turn him into something. And I think that uh, the teams that have success on day three are pretty good at you know following those uh, check marks that they have on certain positions and they find guys that meet the physical requirements and then they just mold them into what they want them to be. Um, yes, guys, you're listening to Locked On Browns, episode 173. Ryan McChrystal from Bleacher Report. Obviously, you guys know him. He's been on Locked On Browns before. Uh, we're breaking down here. Uh, you know, Ryan, you know, he brings up some interesting combine thoughts which should be, you know, thought of, you know, look, if a guy's fast, we knew he was fast, etc., etc. We've also gotten into Lamar Jackson here and, you know, how he's trying to basically, you know, create his own path here as far as he's going with agency. Uh, you know, we've covered the offensive lineman measurements. We're going to get to the running back ones as well. Uh, guys, if you listen through the Megaphone app, first-time listener, guys, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, leave the five-star review. Uh, you know, any help I can get, I appreciate it from you all kindly. We're going to shift on over here, right? And now the running backs obviously checked in as well today. Uh, I mean, for the, for the most part, we got, you know, pretty much the, you know, the meats and potatoes of the guys we're looking for. Actually, you know what? Let me shift back a little bit. The center class, uh, whether it's Ragnow, Billy Price, Daniels, uh, all these guys coming in looking like they need to. And this is the thing. I mean, and look, you know, there's a lot of left guards. Obviously, some will be right guards just the way it works out. It'll be a deep class that way. But it's a good center group with these guys as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I haven't gone deep on studying the centers, so I don't want to make any you know concrete projections. But going off the numbers that we have today, everybody seems to you know check the boxes, um, and there's some good athletes in that group too. So I think we're going to see some impressive numbers from throughout the week, uh, and it it could certainly push some guys up the board because if you have guys who come in with pretty good measurements, they show that they're pretty good athletes. Uh, it gives teams hope that they have some versatility too, which could you know take a guy that you might think is like a third round pick. Maybe you bump him up, consider him in the second round because when you have that flexibility to move him around, if he's more than just a center, or you know if you've got a guard who's more, you think he's more than just a guard, he can maybe play right tackle. That flexibility starts pushing guys up the board, especially as you mentioned, in it's a relatively weak offensive line class. Exactly. So you, I mean, you're going to pick a guy based on the fact that you like his tape, and you just hope that wherever you put him, it's going to work out from there. Uh, Saquon Barkley came in, you know, six feet two thirty-three. One for me though that was interesting is, you know, Darius guys, I, you know, love the game. You know, obviously, you know, creates contact. I got to be honest, watching him on film and just seeing him consistently over the last two years, two twenty-four actually surprised me. I I, I figured he was less. Two twenty-four was a good number. Yeah, definitely. He's an interesting player to watch. Um, I went back and I watched some of his 2016 tape yesterday and today, actually, and it's like a completely different player. You can really see how the injury affected him. But yeah, the size is is nice um, because he's a good athlete, um, and yeah, I'd be curious to know if he was actually playing at that weight. Maybe he was playing more like 215, if I had to guess. It, it looks like um, it, yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, but you know, here's where another where area where the combine can sometimes be helpful. Uh, he measured it at 224, and if he goes out and he puts up the same type of speed and agility numbers that you were expecting of him based on what you saw on tape, it gives you hope that you know maybe he was playing at 215, but if he's still the same kind of athlete at 224, maybe his game can go up a whole other level if he can still maintain that speed and agility at a higher weight class. Uh, you know, and that's what I agree with because uh, I mean, for me, it was a good number. It showed very well. Uh, the two Georgia kids, um, it was a little surprising. I think you know. I thought Michelle was maybe a little thicker, but 213, there's obviously nothing wrong with that. Nick Chubb at 227. Um, maybe this is some of the thought process why, you know, look, I, I think Sony's a little quicker, a little bit more athletic. I think Nick Chubb is, you know, there's, I don't have an issue with Nick Chubb, but I think Nick Chubb fits well into your four-minute offense or your, you know, fourth quarter, all right, let's slow this game down because we have the lead type of thing. But each one of these guys, I mean, in, look, showed up, yoked up, which you would expect, though, from guys who spent four years at a program like Georgia. Yeah, definitely. I like both of those guys a lot. In terms of their weigh-in, though, um, Michelle was one of the guys that I was actually most looking forward to seeing because uh, he had kind of a fumbling issue in college. And so I was curious what his hand size was uh, because if he came in with small hands, uh, that would maybe indicate that that's a fumbling problem that you're going to have a hard time fixing. Uh, but his hands came in at over nine inches, which is decent. I mean, he's, I think it was nine and nine one eights. So it's a little on the small side, but it's not so small that you think that he's going to have a fumbling problem his whole career. So I think that that maybe answers the question with him, whereas you can work with him on his technique and how he's holding the ball and maybe solve that issue. Uh, so I think that was an important measurement for Michelle. Uh, so, but on the flip side, you go to Ronald Jones, who really has no resume as a fumbler and comes in with his hands at eight and three quarters. So, I mean, it's interesting. Um, and, you know, normally, you know, look, if you want to say it's a little bit of a knock on him, everything else checks out. Yeah, he was only two all five. But, you know, at the age he's at of 20 years old, you know, obviously you keep in mind that a Chubb and a Michelle, they're older. It's, it's very easy to get yourself to a 215 of good weight. But, you know, the, the hand measurement, it's something to mention but I don't think it changes one thing at all about who Ronald Jones the player is. Yeah, I agree. If, if his fumbling rate were below average or even if it were right around average, it might tentatively raise a red flag. But the fact that he's up there at an elite level, uh, he, he somehow makes it work. It's impressive. But, you know, if he can hold on to the ball with small hands, good for him. Now, one of the most surprising things for me is watching Bo Scarborough in his time at Alabama, and he comes in and he has five pounds less than Saquon Barkley. I mean, I don't know if he's, you know, he's gone vegan. I don't know if it was a strict liquid diet. But any time I ever saw this guy playing at Alabama, if you told me 228, you know, I would have lost money. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he looks absolutely ripped um, at Alabama. Um, I don't know how to explain that. I'll be curious to see how he tests. Maybe he was expecting to not test very well, so he dropped a lot of weight. That's a possible explanation for it. Um, but I was, you know, he looks like a pretty good athlete. I wasn't expecting him to come out there and bomb the combine, even if he came in at, you know, 240 or something like that, which was been I would have probably guessed 235, 240 for him. Um, so it's surprising. Let's see how he tests, and you know, maybe he comes out and really shocks us with what a good athlete he is at this weight. And you know, it could be a case of, um, you know, like Le'Veon Bell when he was in college, he was huge. And yep. he came in, by the time, he didn't drop weight for the combine, I don't believe, but once he got into the NFL, he dropped weight, and he was a completely different player. Maybe Scarborough, something, someone like that, you know, if he did drop 10 pounds or so, maybe he wows us with his athleticism and he starts to rise. 
I don't know if it would be that he'd wow with his wiggle. You know, this might be more to maybe create some eyes with a 40 time. I mean, you know, weight, whether or not it's going to fluctuate 5 to 10 pounds, it's not going to change your hips. But it was interesting, and it was definitely something when I saw it. I, I mean, I definitely almost did like a triple take. Um, uh, Akram Wadley out of Iowa. Look, I, I think he's a nice player. He was Big Ten slow. Look, I carry a Big Ten bias, so I apologize. He was Big Ten, unless it's Ohio State or Michigan. Other than that, there's no speed in that conference. He was Big Ten slow on tape. And the measurement today, and the fact that he had to put on weight to get to 194, I mean, he's a maybe a day three, hey, we'll throw you a bone because we kind of liked a couple of the games that you had and your toughness that you would carry the ball 40 times a game. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for him to even get drafted just because I think a lot of teams he's not going to meet the check marks that they have on uh, just the thresholds that they want to see at certain measurements for the position. Uh, he certainly was productive. I mean, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a problem with a team bringing him in and giving him a shot in training camp. You know, maybe he's one of those guys that just kind of makes it work. Uh, but yeah, tiny hands, short arms, small. Uh, it's it's going to be tough. There's just there's just such a short list of guys that make it work at that size who just who don't have blazing speed and incredible agility. If, if you're not on Darren Sproles level, uh, it's hard to succeed when you're that size. Absolutely, 100. percent uh, Kalen Balaj, and this just continues with the, my God, could you just play into the body that you have? Because, I mean, he should be, you know, he should be a safety in the box worst nightmare if he could just give it, you know, with inside, you know, with inside the box, if he could just give it. But, my God, I mean, he's, I mean, he, the guy is put together. Oh, definitely. And I think he's one of those guys, like I was saying, on day three, you have those guys that they check all the boxes physically, and then you just gamble on it and hope that your coaches can turn him into the player he's supposed to be with that body. Because, yeah, I mean, he's what a running back is supposed to look like, basically. So, you know, on day three, he's a guy that, you know, if, if I were a GM or a coach and my running backs coach loved that guy, I would say, all right, you know, we're going to target him on day three and we're going to let you work with him. Uh, let him be your guy. He's your project for the next three years. Let's turn him into something. And now, honestly, uh, I've been growing as the process goes on. John Kelly out of Tennessee, I enjoy the film more and more with which I watch. And I know it's he does not have you know the length and the history and the touches that a lot of guys in this class have. But he came in today just a hair below 5'10". 216 surprised me. I figured he was a lot closer to 205. Uh, hand size, arm length, everything checked out. Now he's yeah, a guy. Love, yeah, he's a guy that just rises for me. Yeah, I love John Kelly. He's a beast. Uh, you can't bring him down. He's just he's one of those guys that has a low center of gravity. He's well built and he just bounces off everybody. Um, he he kind of reminds me a little bit of Danny Woodhead in the sense that like he doesn't quite look like uh, the guy that you expect to be as productive as he is, but. He's just he's so good at not going down, and he makes stuff happen. He's just the type of athlete that if you don't hit him and wrap him up immediately, he's going to find a way to wiggle out of it. And he just, I mean, if, if you haven't watched him yet, go back and watch tennis, some Tennessee games because I know a lot of people didn't watch Tennessee this year, so you probably no, they it. did not. <laughs> he's a really fun guy to watch, and it's a it's amazing how many times he gets contacted at the line of scrimmage or in the backfield, and a split second later, he's five yards down the field. He just he does not go down at first contact. And that's a trait that carries over. There's certain guys that, no matter what their size is, 
they just have that balance, that vision, that they can bounce off that first guy if he doesn't wrap them up. And once you get past that first guy, a lot of times there's room for an extra three to five yards. Uh, you go you go to the Florida game, and it's, it, and it's it's sad that you see two to three guys get stiff, stiff-armed. You'd think after once you, the first guy got dropped, that the second or third guy would be like, man, I, I don't want that to happen to me. But, I mean, you know, a couple of guys there, I know it was number three. I think the other guy wore a number in the 20s. Guys, uh, you know, you got to see it coming at this point. I mean, get low, but you can't get yourself tossed off the field. And he literally was stiffing guys off into the sidelines. Really impressive guy. Um, as long as he can prove that, you know, the issues he had at Tennessee are in the past. And I had some guys come at me, you know, as I've talked about him. Wow, he didn't even hit 1,000 yards. And like you said, did you watch Tennessee this year? <laughs> Did you see what's happened? And I've said this a million times. Look, Tennessee, you were not good. You were not too good for Greg Schiano. You were not too good for him. And you want to know what all the problems that are going down there? Everybody would have been lined up at the curb who wasn't willing to buy into the program. You know, Greg Schiano can be a mean old son of a gun, but he would have cleaned things up in Knoxville and he would have cleaned them up quick. Guys, we're listening to Locked On Browns, episode 173 with Moran and Crystal. Uh, obviously, we're covering Ryan's you know, combine thoughts, how he views it. We've gotten into, obviously, the Mar Jackson thing. We've gotten into you know, offensive linemen, running back weigh-ins. Uh, locked on NFL Draft, John Ledyard, Trevor Sakema, both guys will be in ND this week. So you get a lot of stuff you know, live from the scenes You know when they're not out enjoying the nightlife after they put their, you know, put their work in. But check out Locked on NFL Draft. The guys will be there all week. Take care of anything you need. Ryan, in closing, obviously we have a lot more coming this week. Uh, you know, as far as you know, positional groups, uh, you know, offense, defense. You know, give me three guys offensively. Things you want to see, whether it be measurements or times, from three guys on offense you're looking for this week. Ooh, offensively, um, it's kind of a tough one. Um, I guess I, the one area where I would go to. The, well, let's just step back. The two positions where I care most about combine uh, workouts is wide receiver and defensive back, because I think those are the two areas where, um, in college, depending on your offensive scheme, defensive scheme, guys get used in different ways. Like with receivers, if you're in the slot or on the outside and the types of routes you run, sometimes you don't always get the full picture of what they can do. So I do care about seeing what they can do in terms of their athleticism on the field of the combine. So, um, you know, on the offensive side, a wide receiver, I look at some guys like Marcel Aitman. You know, I want to see how fast he is, how well he does in the agility drills. I love his size, um, but, you know, I might have some questions about his athleticism. Uh, if he goes out there and tears it up, he might be a guy that I would bump up a little bit higher on my board. Um, so that's the, that's the type of guy. I would say, you know, uh, maybe the same thing about someone like uh, Equinemia St. Brown out of Notre Dame. Uh, I know he's straight line fast. I don't know how quick he is sometimes. Uh, his routes are a little bit choppy sometimes, so I'd like to see him in some of those drills to see, you know, does does he have that extra level uh, that he can get to? So some of those bigger guys at the wide receiver positions are the ones that I would definitely look out for this week. And one of the things that I love about the combine, obviously the former wide receiver in me, is it separates how you catch the ball. Look, you're not going to get away with body catching here. It, it, it shows up so much more in the combine where nobody is wearing pads. You know, we, who's using their hands? Because it is the quickest way to the ball. It is the quickest way to secure the ball. You know, that kind of separates the men from the boys. Uh, you know, I'm a weirdo. I love the gauntlet drill. Um, I, I get mad when they go to commercial break when a guy's about to come up that I want to see. 
So, you know, look, I mean, you can run the ads on the bottom of the screen, do a, you know, side screen, whatever. Let us see every darn bit of it. Uh, shift and focus over the defensive side. Uh, a couple of guys, it's going to be interesting. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go right off the bat. I, I, I don't care where they play. I want to see every drop of Minka Fitzpatrick and Derwin James work out. These guys are just special. And at, you know, as good as they are on the field, they are that good athletically. Yeah, it's funny that you brought them up because those are the two guys that I wrote down that I'm most interested to see this week out of any position. Uh, because, as I said, guys get used in different ways on defense. Um, and those are two guys that got moved around a lot. So I'm curious to see, number one, uh, how they choose to present themselves. Do they bulk up a little bit? Do they drop a little weight so they can run a little faster maybe? It'll be interesting how they choose to do that. You know, Fitzpatrick especially, since he's viewed as maybe a corner, maybe a safety, I, I could see him trying to add a little bit of weight and show up at the combine a little bit stronger, make teams think that he can do a little bit more, play in the box as a safety more. Uh, I could also see him maybe coming in a couple pounds lighter, and so he tries to run a, you know, put up a good 40 times so that he can solidify himself as a cornerback if someone wants to, if that's where he prefers to play. Uh, but yeah, I think just getting getting to see some numbers on them will be interesting. One, because they're going to put on a show; they're really good athletes. And two, I think it'll give us a better understanding of what they can do on the field and where you can put them at the next level. Okay, now uh, a couple other guys you might be looking forward to this week. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing just a bunch of the defensive backs, a lot of the cornerbacks that we talked about last time I'm on. Uh, I want to see, especially for some of the shorter guys, I'm always interested to see how high they jump. So someone like Mike Hughes, for example, out of UCF. Yeah, I mean, that's a guy, whether I mean, it could be a nickel type of role for him, or does he have the vertical where it's going to offset the height? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mike Hughes and Duke Dawson out of Florida is in that same category. I'm extremely confident you can put both of those guys in the slot and they can have a nice career. Uh, but if they run really well and they put up a you know, 38, 39, 40-inch vertical leap, I think maybe that you know raises the probability that they can play on the outside and match up with some bigger uh bigger receivers on the field. So I think that the combine is definitely important for that type of smaller receiver who needs to show that they have what it takes to make up for their lack of size. Um, yeah, and for me, I, I do want to see the Carlton Davises, the Tavarius McFaddens of the world. It, it's great that you can get a little bit nasty at the line of scrimmage, but now once you're in the NFL, look, you're going to get beat in your jam. It's just going to happen. You know, Are you going to be able to show the athleticism to off, you know, to offset the fact that you got beat out of your jam? Yeah, definitely. Those are two guys that are going to get physical line scrimmage, and they need to prove that they have the recovery speed. Because with both of those guys, there's times on tape where it looks like they might not, and yet they make up for it because they're so physical. Um, so, you know, they're going to have a lot to prove, too. Uh, they have the skills to make up for it. It's just going to limit their ceiling. So it could have an impact on whether they get drafted you know, mid-first round or whether they fall maybe to day two. Exactly. It comes from a scenario whether you're top 25 or now you get a, you know, a play of you know top 50. But guys, again, uh, we're doing everything we can for you here on Locked On Browns, keeping you covered here on the combine. Uh, you know, once this is over, you know, we'll we'll get to a free agency focus once we have you know a full list and we know who's available. It's you know right now it's just throwing you know blind darts right now as we're trying to talk free agency shows. We will get to that because I know a bunch of you've been asking. Uh, for Ryan McChrystal, guys, follow him. Uh, obviously, he's read all his work at Bleacher Report. Follow him at Ryan underscore McChrystal. Um, I'm really glad I've gotten to know him better and have him a part of the show. He, he's been he's been very informative. Um, obviously, you guys are enjoying him. Look, I, you know, if you guys didn't like the guest, I wouldn't bring him back. You guys have enjoyed the, the shows. You know, put a, a ton of listenership into it. So go ahead, follow Ryan. 
Uh, follow the show at Locked On Browns. Of course, guys, it's a follow for follow account. I appreciate everything you guys are doing for me. Uh, you guys have provided a ton of guests for me just from your suggestions. So from that, I'm obviously eternally thankful. Uh, follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, as far as the show is concerned, guys, uh, for the fourth month in a row, we have done a number of an increase of at least 50% listenership. And look, most of it is because of you. I cannot be more thankful. It's always nice when the boss, who is a very, very busy man, pops in with a quick email and says, look, you're doing a great job. And you guys are as big a part of that as I am. So thank you so much. For Ryan, for myself, you guys have yourself a great evening. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night. Uh, and look, you know, Friday night show, we'll actually get to talk about some workouts. But look, we're going to touch on everything here during Indy. Thank you so much, guys. Have yourself a great night. Let's go Browns.